advising that the city of Spokane Valley issue a proclamation stating that our city is a Second Amendment sanctuary city. Welcome to the fire. Today on Church and State, we'll be joined by John Cooper. Hello, Christian Patriots, and welcome to Church and State, where we strive to plug you into the pew and plug you into politics. I'm your host, Caleb Collier. With me, as always, Pastor Gabe Blomgren. Once again, your favorite far-right shock jocks and the most schizophrenic show you listen to on a daily basis. The only podcast that's brave enough to put faith and politics in the same room with Jesus Christ smack dab right in the middle. Amen to that. Hey, real quick, go to churchandstate.media. I'm not going to belabor this because I really want to bring our guest on right away, but download the shows, take advantage of the affiliates. Hey, uh, I know John's going to be interested in this. Grid Down Chowdown, you got to yes. get this. Freeze-dried, it's raw beef, it's freeze-dried, and you will not eat the bugs, you will not eat Bill Gates' wonder meat. Uh, you got to get this stuff, guys. It's it's super cheap, it's affordable, It's uh, and and it's just in your bunker, ready to go. So Yeah, you got to get the, the, those of you who know me, when I order at a restaurant, I always ask the waitress, what is the largest amount of food, this or this? Get the $750 package. It sounds like a lot, but here's the thing. You get a better price than even what Amazon's trying to spit out at you when you do the $750 deal. And then I guarantee you this, you will have a beard as luscious and strong as John <laughs> Cooper. If you eat this, meat. I love that. All right, there we go. So, hey, that's a good good way to introduce uh, our guests. So, John Cooper, if you don't know who he is, you're not listening to good music. Uh, he is the front man for Skillet, singer, songwriter, vocalist, bassist. The guy has been all over the country. He is uh, he's he's a speaker for TPUSA Faith. He just wrote a book, Wimpy, Weak, and Woke: Woo. How Truth Can Save America from Utopian Destruction. I love that title, John. It is such a pleasure to have you on Church and State. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the compliment of my beard. There's, I'm on a strict, a strict no bug diet, <laughs> so I might need to uh, check out check out the grid down or whatever it was called. I'll check it out. Yeah, there you go. No, it is. Uh, it's ridiculous. You know, the uh, we were talking a little bit off camera. You know, just what they've done to men in general, and you know, I mean, we we joke about beef, but beef is. It brings us, it unites men together. When we, when we have a barbecue, we don't want chicken on the barbecue. We want steaks. We want burgers. You know, there's nothing better than beef. And I think there's a reason why they're, they're so angry and, and attacking the beef industry so much. It's because it increases our testosterone Come and on. that's a positive thing. I, I, while we got uh, John on, we don't have a whole lot of time and I want to hear a lot from him, but I have to pitch you a worship album idea. Okay. I've been, I've been dreaming of the day I've, since 1996 was the first time I actually saw Skillet live. Okay. I've watched Cutlass do worship albums. I've watched other people do worship albums, but I was, I was thinking, and I even Googled this title, let us worship. He's sitting oh, there. I see. Did you say worship? W A R? Yes. Is that what you so said? So you take worship songs, <laughs> you take worship songs, and you completely dismantle them and make them in the most rocky way. Imagine, Lord, I lift your name on high. With the most rocked out yeah, version. Like worship. Yes. War and ship. Yes. Yeah, I worship. I, I yeah, think Sean I mean, Foy, I, uh, he I can't. Think it's a killer title. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> there you go. Totally Gabe. joking, but the, but the reality is, is I love worship that's edgy, and you guys have been doing that for years. 
Oh, that's really cool. Well, it is a good title. Uh, of course, these days you will get a lot of pushback. Anytime you, you talk about anything to do with any war metaphor, which has been like all of the English language for centuries has been using war metaphors. All of a sudden, if you're a Christian and you use it, you're going to be labeled a, uh, what do they call it? You know, theocracy, Christian nationalists right. or whatever it is. I was thinking, I was just commenting on James Carville's comments just this week about Christian nationalists are the worst threat to America, worse than Al-Qaeda. You wait till James Carville hears our worship project that we do together. Come let us worship. Come he's on. Gonna really blow, it's going to really blow his mind. <laughs> worship is warfare, though, and we've seen it in the Bible all throughout. You know, you know the, the men going and, and sounding the trumpets before Jericho out there, the worshipers out in front. So, yeah, James Carville, he should be afraid of Christians. He's, he's not too wrong, actually. Yeah, well, no, it's like no matter how many times we tell these people, we believe we are in the middle of a spiritual battle, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. And no matter how many times you say it, I'm just finding right now that we are in a culture full of people who are unwilling to dialogue, it, it, but yet they call themselves the tolerant ones, but they will not have a conversation. They cannot critically think. They will not listen to you when you say, no, this is what I mean. You explain it. There is no conversation to be had, which is why they want to shut you up before you even start. They want to cancel you. They want to get rid of you. It drives me absolutely batty. And recently I've just decided, you know what? I need to stop I need to stop wondering why we are not having good faith debates. They don't want to hear what I have to say. They're just going to lie about me. They're going to say that I mean things that I don't. They're not willing to have the debate. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know anything about American history or political philosophy. But we have to tell the truth because we are headed down such a bad path. So amen to the to, to the spiritual warfare situation. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting, John. Um, you, you just you just nailed it right there. You, you, they want the love. They don't want the truth. Oh. Right. They, they want uh, the, the old expression, tolerance and apathy of the last virtues of a dying society. That's us. You can see it. And it's not just in the secular world. It's in the church. And, and so you've recently written the book, we, we, Wimpy, Weak and Woke. Now, this is a big problem inside the church. And I, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yes, it really is. And uh, thank you for showing. I've got a copy of the book right here. Look how look how good this book looks. Now, I'm telling you, the, the name of it and the cover has drawn people into a frothing rage. <laughs> I have never seen this kind of pushback. I, I got to be honest, I'm really shocked uh, at the, I mean, I knew that maybe somebody's going to like get their panties in a bunch over the title, but I didn't think it'd be that many. Christians are losing their minds over this title. And it shows me it's even worse than I thought. It has come into the church. We have become, and, and, and here's the language I use in the book, and this is part of what's frustrating. In the introduction of the book, I say, we have become wimpy, weak, and woke. I didn't say you have, those people have, that guy and that person. I'm saying we have. In other words, our, our society 
There is a zeitgeist of our society, as you said, of, of this sort of empathy. Uh, empathy is like a super commandment, almost like empathy has to be a super commandment that rules all the other Ten Commandments that God gave us. And it has caused us to be feminine and to not think clearly and um it just drives me nuts. So yes, it has come into the church and it's come to the church in such a way that the church will no longer say what is true because we're afraid we're going to hurt someone's feelings. I was talking to a pastor recently because he was saying, John, I just think all this stuff you're talking about, that's not what we're supposed to be sharing. We're supposed to be just talking about the gospel, the gospel. Jesus died for me. Leave it at that. Don't talk about this stuff. And I said to him, I said, let me ask you a question. Do you think think that you would have been marching with Martin Luther King, would you have been marching against Jim Crow? He's like, oh, absolutely. I said, do you think that you would have been standing with Dietrich Bonhoeffer against Hitler? Oh, absolutely. And I said to him, I'm brother. I got news for you. If you are looking at me and saying that, that the role of the church is only to say, tell people that Jesus died for them, rose from the dead, and there are no implications to what we are seeing in our world, the absolute tyranny, whether you're talking about the death of the unborn, whether you're talking about the, the sort of um, sexual agenda and the tyranny being imposed upon us, forcing us to say things that we do not believe, seeing what is happening to our teenagers, the, the mutilation of teenagers' bodies, if you're telling me that you will not stand against that, then I got news for you, brother. You would not have been standing against slavery. You would not have been standing with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You would have been one of the pastors telling Bonhoeffer to stop being so political. Don't, don't play with me. And, and I, the idea that the church is supposed to be silent about evil, I don't even know what Bible these people are reading. I got love for them, but I don't know what Bible they're reading. Man, that's so good. Uh, how, how did he take that? I mean, it's it's a strong rebuke, but it's a Christian rebuke. How did he How did he take your words? I, I have yet to convince nearly anyone. They, they 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 all, and I love him. He's a wonderful, godly man of God. All right, a wonderful man of God. They they just. They just don't see it. They're absolutely convinced that people like you and me are just being alarmist. We are being conspiracy theorists. We are being divisive. Um, I'm sure you guys get accused of this all the time. It's new for me. I get accused now of just being like a macho, like you're trying to be macho, uh, almost like, um, like I'm, I'm almost like I'm trying to be like a WWE character or something <laughs> like we're macho and you're whippy and you're weak. And, and, and we don't, uh, I don't even know what they mean because I'm not a macho person at all. Uh, nobody that knows me would say that I'm Mr. Macho. So I don't even know what they're talking about. Um, they believe that we are just being absolutely alarmist. And, uh, and I, and it's easy to look back in history. 
and say all the things that I would have done. There's no way I would have owned slaves. There's no way I would have done this. And it's like, well, that's easy to do. What are you doing for the kingdom of God right here, right now? What are you doing to stop this invasion of wickedness, the, the likes of which we have never seen? Oh, that's what that's what my pastor said. Uh, excuse me, the, not my pastor. That's what this person said to me. He said, John, there's nothing new under the sun. This isn't like a brand new evil. And I'm like, all right, I don't even know what to say about that. You know, yes, of course, there's nothing new under the sun, but it presents itself in in new clothing. It presents itself in a brand new way of, 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 of yes, it's the same sin, but it's brand new. It's kind of like, it's kind of like complaining about the the the, ubiqui the ubiquity of pornography and somebody saying, John, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm like, yeah, but 30 years ago, we didn't have these cell phones. It wasn't making its way into every single person's handheld device trying to ruin our kids' lives. So, yeah, nothing new under the sun, but it's presenting in a new demonic way. We got to stand up against it, man. John, there's something that's going on. You said, you know, a ubiquitous attack. There's there's Lucifer is he's described as an angel of light and, and that right now we see there's a second Jesus and, and, and this Jesus has a little bit different standards than what we grew up with and what biblically was preached or even taught. I'll give you an example right now, the devil wards. Uh, there's an article here. If our tech guy could put that up, Cayman's call band member dressed in drag al alongside flamey grant at the 54th annual dove awards, which I'm sure you've been to and received awards if I'm correct. You've been to those Dove yes. Awards many times. Okay. Yeah. Dove Awards got into some heat for letting them in. My point isn't to vilify Dove or either uh, these individuals. My, my point is, is this, and we're going to show a clip uh, uh, in a second here of a video that is going viral of said Flamey Grant and uh, this individual who is, you know, a, a singer in Caveman's Call. What we have is a Jesus who I, I remember Jesus who came and he said, sin no longer. And he loved the sinner. He very much did. They're on that same wavelength of Jesus is just loving. But the thing is, he always said, sin no longer. No longer engage in these things. Be changed. But, but there's this new form of Jesus out there that it, I, I feel has a Luciferian connotation because Lucifer, as we know, we've studied the satanic uh, Bible. The very satanic Bible, main theme is do as thou wilt. And, the, and this Jesus that they're trying to peddle is, is a do-as-thou-wilt Jesus. Your thoughts on that? Brilliantly put. I, I, could not, I could not add anything to make it clearer than that. That is exactly what is going on. I would say that the new trend in the American church is exactly what you said. That's not just like on the... I mean, that is on the what we would call progressive Christianity. That's the word for that, I guess. That is on the, the peripheral progressive Christianity. It is seeping into the typical orthodox conservative church. It is an, an unwillingness to say that Jesus, who is love, the Bible says God is love, actually does hate some things. Duh, that I mean, there, there's there's no such thing as love, true love without hating evil. It's just a flip side of the coin. And so if somebody says, I love God with all of my heart, but I do not love his ways, 
then you don't really love God with all of your heart. If you say you you love God with all your heart, but you do not hate sin, then, then you're not loving God rightly. And so to love righteousness means uh, to to hate wickedness. And so to get into a tiny bit of theology, I, I don't know how many people will really like this conversation watching. I don't know the audience, but I think it's kind of cool. If you think about it like this, the Bible describes God's attributes. That's his character. OK, that that describes who God is as um Infinity. So, so God has his. In other words, God is love, but God's love is is to infinity. It means you cannot um, exhaust it. You can't cap it. You can't explain it. God loves us more than we could ever possibly imagine, and there is no end. It is it is an infinity of love. Well, God's hatred of sin is also infinity. That means we have no earthly idea how much God hates sin. We think we understand it, but we don't understand it because he hates it with infinity to ways we could never possibly imagine. And so when God says that he is holy, what that means is that God loves righteousness more than you know, and he hates wickedness more than you know. The church has lost that. And so now we have a new version of Jesus, which, as you said, is Luciferian, which is a hard word to say. Brilliantly put, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. This is a Jesus that says, I love you so much that I just let you define what is right and wrong. That is at odds with the Bible. And as we all know, it leads people into slavery. It's horrible and it's destructive. You know, John, um, Gabe and I are both fascinated by eschatology. And uh, we have a lot of discussions around the book of Revelation. Uh, we don't know the time. Uh, but we can certainly see the season and we're starting to see things that are just getting checked off, you know, like, okay, that's, that's happening. That's happening. You know, the war in Israel, for example, uh, things are, things are heating up here. Do we see, or, or in your opinion, do you see this, this new Jesus that we're discussing that the, that the church seems to be enamored with? Is this setting the, the table for so many to be deceived? They take, the Bible talks about that great deception that so many Christians might actually start to believe that this antichrist is in fact the return of the savior mm. this is a very long discussion i probably would i probably would maybe table the the end time discussion so meaning like the return of christ and you know end time type stuff maybe i table that but i still talk about the point that, that you're making which i think is really really important the Bible talks a lot about seasons of great falling away. Now, now there also maybe we talk about the great falling away with a capital T and 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 a capital F, um, an end time section. But we see these time periods where what I believe God is doing is pruning the church, and so there is this this false Messiah. And it, it, uh, what does it say? They, these false prophets, they tickle people's ears. They say what people want to hear. And the, the reason I say it like this is because I don't want Christians to be living in fear that you are going to be deceived by the Antichrist. If your heart is for God, if you love God with all of your heart and your mind and your strength and you look at his word, you don't need to be living in fear that you're going to accidentally follow the beast and you didn't want to do that. But God loves loves you and he is going to keep you and he is going to preserve you. That's his good pleasure to do so. You don't need to live in fear of that. But there are people that do not love God 
they love a, as you say, a, a false god, you know, a false version, and they are going... They're getting their ears tickled. They are falling away. We are absolutely seeing that without a doubt. And there is a pruning of the church that is happening. And I and, and this is why I keep telling people I am not pessimistic. I, I'm realistic. We're at the, the kind of demise. We're at the precipice of the demise of America, of all of Western civilization. It will lead to something really terrible. But there is hope. If the church would just act like the church, this this changes in a heartbeat. If the church would just begin to say, hey, no more compromise, no more compromise in here. We are going to clean house. If we just began to do that, um, I'm going to say this one this one last thing about this, and, and I'll let you do what you want to do. But um, I write about this in the book. The reason I think it would change is because if the church acted like the church, there would be such a stark difference between light and darkness. The truth is, is we don't have a stark difference right now. If you look at statistics, who is watching pornography? It's not all that different in the church than it is in the world. Divorce, levels of abortion. Uh, you go down whatever, whatever statistics you want. There's not that much of a difference between the church and the world because Christians have not loved God and hated sin. But if we did... Woo, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit, the blessings of God would be so huge on the church that the world would look at the church and say, wait a minute, they don't have levels of divorce. They don't have levels of single parent homes. Their kids are, are, are smart. Their kids are behaved. Their kids don't have near as many mental health problems. Their kids are not on pills. Have you seen the number of children who are on medication in this country? It's unreal. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. They're going to be looking and saying, how come those people are not addicted to pornography? Those people aren't fill in the blank. And then I believe that, uh, you know, there's a great proverb about this, about the fruit of the tree. That's the fruit of uh, that's the tree of life, because we are we are so blessed by God because we are obeying his word that the world looks to us and says that fruit looks and tastes good. I want to know what it's all about. That's good. We 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 uh, we have five minutes left. Um, I I really want to just ask you a really big question. I know. It could go various different directions. I don't want to get too far into if the Holy Spirit is here or present in this, you know, secession or whatever. All I know is, is Paul says, or excuse me, he's writing to Timothy. He says that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And what I'm talking about is if there's a denied power, then there, there must be a real power. And I just want to say, the Holy Spirit is so much better at cleansing the sin of homosexuality, the sin of abortion, the sin of, of, of lust. Um, lust has been eradicated out of my life, the addiction to pornography through the Holy Spirit. It, the, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit is something I feel like is missing, but we're seeing an uprising right now in, in, in a local church. I'm not going to name it in my area. It's very traditional. They're the, one of those churches that I would say are seeker sensitive. They're not going to stand even during worship. They're not going to have any type of praying in tongues in that church. Well, recently, John, people got delivered in that service. They started to manifest a demon, okay? And they got delivered in that service. I'm talking God is doing something through the Holy Spirit all over the nation. I, I want to ask you about... Do, 
your thoughts on the Holy Spirit and, and the movement of him? Because the gospel said, unless these things follow signs, wonders, and, and, and ministry of power, we've been missing power. But your, cert, your, like, your mm. concerts have power, brother. I, I felt the presence of God. Now, people didn't get slain in the spirit, but there's a power. Certain. Well, uh, well, okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's, that's uh, very kind. I think you're on something really important here. It might be slightly different than what you're asking, but, but to me, it, it coincides. Um, I can't remember the philosopher. And again, I don't know how many people I love philosophy. Okay. Because it explains what's happening in the world to me, um, from a secular perspective. So I can understand where people are at in the early two thousands of the book that was written, it was a sociologist and they were trying to just understand the millennial generation, um, secular sociologists. And they were asking, I think they asked him literally thousands of questions, thousands of people, thousands of questions, and what they ended up with was realizing that the millennial generation who professed Christianity actually were not, they were not following historical Christianity. They were following a new set of principles. And in this book, they called it moralistic therapeutic deism. You go Google it. It's kind of interesting. Moralistic therapeutic deism so perfectly illustrates where the church is at today. Basically, there is a God. He controls the world. He only wants good things for me. He wants me to be happy. He doesn't care what I do as long as I'm a good person. This is their version of Christianity. It's not true Christianity. That is the version that we have lived. Now, if you ask my opinion, I would say that version, which is a false Christianity, is a form of religion, but denying the power, which is the scripture you just referenced. It's a form of Christianity, but it denies the power of the Holy Spirit to change your life. That side, that, that group of people thinks that God wants to change my life, but really what they mean is he wants to make me happy. He wants to make me feel good. He wants to, to make me feel like I can do anything I want to do and just feel validated. That's what they consider power. But when the Bible talks about power of, of the Holy Spirit, what the Bible is talking about is power to set you free. Yes. It is the victory of the cross, of Jesus on the, on the cross. And he comes and what does he do? Sorry, my, my ear, I'm getting so excited about Jesus. My <laughs> yeah, ear come on, you're off. preaching. Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross. And what does he do? He strips the devil of his power. The devil does not have power over the redeemed in Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. So he strips the devil of his power. And now Jesus has defeated the power of, of sin and the power of death. When we come to know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in me, that means I can resist the devil. I resist you in the name of Jesus and you must flee. I can resist my flesh, not of my own strength, but because I am more than a conqueror through the Holy Spirit. So what we are dealing with now is a church that does not have power because the church doesn't even believe in the goals of the biblical 
power-filled Holy Spirit gospel. You, you know what I mean? They don't even believe in those goals. They're not even trying to see people set free. They just want to see people be happy and feel good. And so what I think we have to do in our churches is remind people that without Christ, you may think you feel good, but you are in slavery. It is hurting you. You might not know it's hurting you, but it actually is hurting you. You think it's leading you to freedom, but it doesn't lead you to freedom. And there's all these negative results. And we see that whether we're talking about politics, whether we're talking about progressive crime policies. This is, I know, something that you guys feel passionate about that you would, I'm sure, talk about on the show all the time. Progressive crime policies, they sound good. Sounds like we're loving people and we want to make sure that they're, we have no cash bail and this and defund the police because we love people. What happens? It doesn't lead to liberty and freedom. It leads to people dying and death and destruction. And it shows that you don't love people. You actually hate people. If you love them, you protect them by putting the, the evildoer in prison or whatever, so you know. So anyway, that's what I would say to that. Yes, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in the church today. Amen. Hey, uh, John, the interview is, is we've actually gone over time. Uh, we so appreciate you. Um, you know, real quick, how do people get your book? The only way you can get my book is on my website, johnlcooper.com. Um, if you want the Kindle version, you can get the Kindle on Amazon. I publish it myself. The reason I publish it myself, you guys, I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking too much and relate. Let me just say this. I published it myself because uh, this isn't, this isn't self braggadocious. All right. There's a lot of people that say, John, we'd like to do a book with you. Cause you've got a big following. You got a music career, yada, yada. When I show them the book, they said, absolutely no way we would ever publish this book because it's just too, it's too much. And not only that, I name names in the book and I say, these people are hurting America. These people are hurting the church. This is why I think they are wrong. And publishers don't like that. So I said, you know what? I don't need you. I'm going to publish it myself because I care about the truth more than I care about the deal. So go to John L. Cooper, get the book. I hope it encourages people um, to have a, a belief in the scriptures, a belief in the power of God. No, that's fantastic. Uh, I am going to order this book. Yes. I can't wait to just dive right into it. The title alone and, and the, the cover, uh, you know, it just screams Christian nationalism, which I love, right? <laughs> no. um, yeah, people have been freaking out about oh, yeah. the American flag. I'm like, and you guys need to calm down. Read the book. Just read the book. Calm down. Absolutely. Well, we will have to have you back on again. We thoroughly enjoyed the interview. God bless you, sir, as, as you go and, and tour America and, and really you're, you're a, a a vocal supporter of what made America great. And what made America great is Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm Gabe. Thanks Lombard. for having me guys. Yeah, absolutely, sir. Church of State is sponsored in part by Patriot Church and the Constitution Party. I'm Gabe Blomgren and a calm does not suit me. I'm Caleb Collier. I was born for a storm. Welcome to the fire.